Before we get started with today's show, I want to tell you guys about betonline.ag. The Warriors may have won the NBA Finals, but the Stanley Cup is still up for grabs. Colorado and Tampa are dueling it out for hockey's ultimate prize. BetOnline has you covered with all of the props, odds, parlays, and lines for the rest of hockey's playoffs. Use our promo code BLEAV, B-L-E-A-V, to get a 50% welcome bonus when you sign up. BetOnline, where the game starts. Good morning, good evening, good afternoon, or good night. However, and whenever it is, you may be listening. Thank you for stopping into another fantabulous episode of The Take. It Easy Podcast, live on the Believe Podcast Network, except it isn't live because it's a podcast. Welcome in, everybody. It is June 24th, according to my count. It may not be that according to your count, but we appreciate you stopping in however and whenever you may be listening. It is technically June 23rd at the time of recording today because we have an NBA draft show coming at you here tonight. It is the 2022 NBA draft. We are recording this just an hour before the draft gets underway. We are going to have live coverage from the Golden One Center in Sacramento where the Kings will make the fourth pick in the draft and hopefully make the wrong pick in the draft so that then at pick six, Indiana can take the right pick in the draft and then Tyrese Halliburton and whoever the sixth pick is will become stars of Indiana while the Kings wallow in misery for the next 10 years of their existence. I am a Kings fan, mind you. So we will have that coming up here with live coverage there. We're going to have draft recap, similar to how we did the NFL draft show this year, which I kind of enjoyed, which is kind of going pick by pick through the draft analysis, almost in real time. Some of it won't be in real time. I'll be in Sacramento for part of it. For a good portion of the draft, it'll be in real time. I just have a slightly less expertise than I do with uh, not having a Blake Jude here to tell us all of the information about prospects in the NBA draft. So we'll get to that in a second, but I needed to start off an A block today because we have more news for the third time in four days of this Kyrie Irving, Kevin Durant situation with the Brooklyn Nets. If you remember on Tuesday, or I guess it was Monday, but we talked about it on Tuesday, there was an impasse between Kyrie Irving and the Brooklyn Nets. Kyrie was going to seek other options, which meant illegal tampering for the next 10 days as Kyrie Irving evaluates his options. Yesterday, we have the news that the Lakers are seen as the most plausible threat to take Kyrie Irving away from the Brooklyn Nets. Should the Brooklyn Nets stomp their feet, not give Kyrie Irving the max, and walk away? And we talked about how that would be a get-out-of-jail-free card for the Lakers, and how Kevin Durant would be kind of stomping his feet on Kyrie Irving and not giving him the protection of, you know, one of the best superstars in the world who gives Kyrie, helps give Kyrie Irving the power that maybe a player of Kyrie Irving's caliber doesn't have because he's using the leverage and power of Kevin Durant to help run the Brooklyn Nets organization. And Kevin Durant might be at a point where he decides that it's not worth it to go to bat and fight for Kyrie Irving. He's willing to do the sign and trade and figure out whatever the team will be for one year and then reevaluate his options. Well, now we have the report from Shams that Kevin Durant is potentially looking at his options should the Brooklyn Nets stomp their feet on a Kyrie Irving trade. And uh, here's the direct quote, by the way, from Shams. I know I kind of just threw that out there as the, the possible. Here's exactly what Shams said. Sources, Kevin Durant is monitoring the Brooklyn Nets situations and considering options with his future. This now opens the path for Kyrie Irving to proceed on finding a new home via opt-in and trade. 
which means if Kyrie's gone, Kevin Durant's looking up and he's like, no need to wait this out a year and see what they build with the roster. I'll just head out also. No need to stick around here. If you guys are going to stomp your feet on giving us power, we'll go to another place that's willing to give us power, although I'm not sure such an organization exists for 34-year-old Kevin Durant and 31-year-old Kyrie Irving. Regardless... It's interesting that the Brooklyn Nets now might be facing a breakup because the uh, Joe Sy and company and Sean Marks are in a power struggle with the guys who they literally gave all the power to. And I guess because they didn't produce results, you have a true power struggle. It'll all be very interesting. It's something that we'll talk about throughout the draft. And the reason I wanted to introduce the A block is because this would be a perfect situation for a last dance song. You guys may know that I have spent hour to two hours at a time making Last Dance parody intros for teams entering their quote-unquote Last Dance. These are topics that we're going to talk about for weeks on end, and I made one for the New Orleans Saints back in 2020 that we played every single time we talked about the Saints, and during the pandemic recorded like eight, this is the Last Dance for the New Orleans Saints podcasts that uh, I regret having wasted so much time talking about. For being absolutely right, fairly obvious, got to be right, Drew Brees retired, Sean Payton retired, it all blew up, they left all the crap to for Dennis Allen, who apparently likes having sex in visors, to clean up, and allegedly likes having sex in visors, according to myself and Morgan from Australia's exclusive reporting, and... We did one for the Green Bay Packers last year. Hell of a pivot. Did one for the Green Bay Packers last year where we made a Last Dance theme song around Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams because they posted that clip of the Last Dance. Or they posted those Instagram stories of the Last Dance where one was Rodgers, one was Pippen, Robert Tanyan was Dennis Rodman and all that stuff. And I thought it was interesting how that happened And then they had the last dance and they lost and and they broke up, but Aaron Rodgers was the one who ended up staying in Green Bay. But anyways, this type of drama and this type of consistent headline news over the next two weeks as power brokers in the NBA possibly break up the Brooklyn Nets, it leads us to a spicy offseason that I had been hoping for and would be the perfect situation for me to spend two hours making another Last Dance theme song. Now, I didn't have two hours to make a Last Dance theme song, but what I did have was 10 minutes to be absolutely lazy and just make what I think might be my proudest bit in the history of this podcast, which is just taking the Green Bay Packers last dance song that we did last year, copying and pasting it, and just changing two or three things. So I am most proud of our last dance theme song that we will use over the next two weeks anytime we have to talk about Kevin Durant or Kyrie Irving or the ongoing power struggle within the Brooklyn Nets and the illegal tampering period they're engaging in right now. We've talked about it three of the last four days, and from this point forward, anytime we have to talk about this power struggle, we will use this impeccably produced Last Dance theme song. Kyrie Irving is so disgruntled with the Brooklyn Nets. That he has told some within the organization that he does not want to return to the team. And so we have a standoff here that nobody knows exactly where it's going. He is not making this about money. He wants out of there and he's telling you there is no amount of money. We want him back in the worst way. I know he knows that. And, um, you know, we'll, we'll continue to work at it. The situation between the Brooklyn Nets and Kevin Durant is not good as far as this weekend as far as training camp we will see there's been one message consistently coming out of Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant and and that's I don't want to be here good morning good evening good afternoon or good night everybody this is the take it easy podcast 2022 nba draft show my name is kyle i am doing better analysis than kendrick perkins here on this fine podcast here so 
I have just walked in the door coming from downtown Sacramento. We had live boots on the ground coverage of the Sacramento Kings. Number four pick, selecting one, Keegan Murray, the forward from Iowa, of which I don't believe I have ever watched play basketball. They lost in the first round of March Madness. Maybe I caught a second of that game. But overall, don't really know much about Keegan Murray. I know from following the draft analysis, it was either going to be him or Jaden Ivey, assuming that one of the top three people didn't fall all the way down to number four. And the the top three were the same people we thought it was going to be, the three top prospects. It was just in a different order than we thought it was going to be, because lo and behold, the Orlando Magic took Paolo Bancaro. So... That's where we're at right now. We're hopping in with live coverage of the Detroit Pistons pick. Technically, this is a podcast, so I could edit it together and make it seem like, wow, here's the first pick, here's the second pick, here's the third pick, here's the fourth pick. Wow, I can't believe we watched this and also went to Sacramento to watch the draft. Yeah, we we got to see that. We're on our way back here. Uh, The Detroit Pistons are about to pick what seems like Jaden Ivey, who did not want to go to Sacramento. I always find that so fun when when prospects take power and like kind of passive aggressively don't go to a team because what's kind of happened in the modern NBA is that media coverage has gotten so hyper examined that people kind of overreact a little bit to oh, I don't want to play for this team or this player doesn't want to play for our team and now we're going to hate this person. By the way, the Detroit Pistons with the fifth pick select, Jaden Ivey. And uh, he is crying, and it is a wonderful sight to see as the, the six foot eight guard slash forward from Purdue is going to Detroit as Detroit tries their best to find a top 50 player, one of the two teams in the NBA that doesn't have a top 50 player. Um, anyways, what I was saying is like, so in the modern NBA, when you hear like, oh, I don't want to play for this team anymore, but it's also a draft. So I can't really control which team I play for. It's interesting because media coverage is so hyper examined that if it comes out that you don't want to play for a team, people vilify you and fans vilify you, which I'm, I don't care. So I will never do that. Even if it's Sacramento, I don't care if it's like, if you ain't with us, you're against us. I'm not naive enough to believe that that's how the sports fan to player to team relationship works. I love the line that's like this. um, I love the line that says sports fans sometimes want the relationship with their team and their teams are like, baby, this is prostitution. You are giving us money and we are providing services and that's kind of the the relationship of a corporation but I I find it interesting that like there were reports that Jaden Ivey didn't want to go to Sacramento because he wanted to end up in either Detroit or Indiana and he didn't come out and say it they just because because people are going to give the negative attention in that way and so I find it funny the passive aggressive ways that people have to engage in I don't want to play for this team which is like I'm not going to work out for this team I'm not going to give medical records to this team which is a weird passive aggressive way to de-incentivize people we have gotten rid of the coming out and saying I don't want to play for this team like whatever it was John Elway's the old timey example or Eli Manning in the NFL or uh, I think it was Chris Webber who didn't want to play with uh, Shaquille O'Neal in Orlando. Like the old time example of like, hey, don't really want to play for this team, don't want to play for this team, don't want to play for this team. That doesn't really exist anymore. I think it, I don't know exactly the reasons for why that's the case, other than like comparing to the fact that people get really pissy when someone talks about not having a or not having a team that you want to go to, or like this player doesn't want to play for this team. How is that going to impact the draft? I think it's just drama that, that I don't know exactly what it is. And I don't know if there's more reasons than that. I just find it interesting, the passive aggressive ways that people have to be like, well, I don't really want to play for this team. I don't want to play for that team. Another thing I'm realizing, how many former NBA, how many sons of former NBA and WNBA players are getting drafted? 
like we've reached a generation now where the uh, the players have reached a point where those are the ones who end up going at the highest levels of the draft because of early development and things like that like apparently Jabari Smith's dad when he was drafted by Houston at pick three it was like Jabari Smith's dad drafted by the Kings and bounced around in the NBA uh Paolo Bancaro's mother was drafted in the WNBA uh Jaden Ivey's uh mom was an assistant coach for the Memphis Grizzlies uh I don't know I don't think there was anything with Chet but uh the four pick Keegan Murray Keegan Murray's dad is like third all-time in the history of Iowa basketball in steals it's interesting how that happens and and it, it makes sense that like parents do this you're interested in doing this thing so I guess that part makes a little bit of sense I'm just fascinated by how that uh that's played out in the top of the draft because on because I didn't watch any college basketball this year I didn't even pay as close attention to the tournament as I once did so like I've seen Paolo Bancaro play more than anyone else um, I've seen Chet Holmgren play a whole lot because I'm fascinated by Gonzaga. Never really saw Jabari Smith play, uh, other than hearing he's like one of the best players in college basketball. And didn't watch this Shaden Sharp guy from Kentucky, who it looks like might be the the six pick for Indiana, the first six pick or the first top nine pick for the Pacers in 33 years, as Gage Bridgeford pointed out to us. So I, I, I guess it's interesting how. I, I, I don't know the players. I'm not a scout. Um, I'll talk a little bit about Chet once we have some downtime in the uh, in the draft process here. But uh, I'm just fascinated by how this works. Okay, Indiana Pacers with the sixth pick in the NBA draft. Select. Oh, I was a little ahead of Adam Silver. It is Benedict Mathurian, forward from Arizona. Okay. I know nothing about this person, but he's a top draft pick, so hopefully he works out great for Indiana. Uh, let's see, what's his what's his deal? Born and raised in Montreal, Canada. Cool. Pac-12 Player of the Year. That's pretty good. They were number one seed last year. They were number one seed in uh, 2000. Yeah, last year. They were number one seed in March Madness. I went to watch them play at, at March Madness when it was in San Diego. I don't remember Benedict Mathurian, but uh, I've watched him play basketball in person, and I just don't remember it. Um, oh, I remember what I was going to talk about. Chet Holmgren, because this I don't know much about this person. Chet Holmgren. You know what's interesting about Chet is, as someone who's not doing in-depth draft analysis, what I was interested by was the fact that this guy was the unanimous number one pick. Or, sorry, he was the unanimous number one prospect in his high school class. Like, everywhere you went, it was Chet number one, Chet number one, Chet number one. Like, people viewed him as he is the best athlete coming out of the high school class of 2021. He's the best basketball player. Gonzaga gets him. It's all over Bleacher Report and ESPN and scouting things and all that stuff. Like universally regarded as the number one prospect in his draft class. And like he's seven foot one. And I I think uh, Kendrick Perkins analysis on the draft was if Giannis Antetokounmpo and Chris Stapps Porzingis had a baby, this would, it would be Chet Holmgren. Um, which, okay. Uh, I, I do like the idea of framing these in the context of two NBA players magically having sex and then a baby is born. That's a strange way to phrase it, but we're here for it. Um, and what I thought was interesting is that if he is, and I know the concern that people have is he needs to put on weight, to be a top prospect or to play in the NBA and all that stuff. In order to succeed in the NBA, he's going to need to put on weight because he'll get bullied around by other people in the NBA. And I felt like at this point, we had reached a point in the NBA where everyone had an above average strength programming, that there were just so many resources in the NBA that that wasn't really a concern anymore. I could be wrong. And maybe it turns out to be he's never able to put on weight for whatever the reasons might be. I just assumed that that was something that with three years to develop as a, as a player, because again, you're getting these players at 19 years old now, and by 22, their careers are just starting as all-star caliber basketball players. If you can get a player to be an all-star by 22 years old, they, they're looking like a generational star. And I just assumed that 
if all of the skills are there and universally he's regarded as number one in his high school class, why wouldn't it be a lock that he would be the number one pick in the draft? And in actuality, perhaps this is a Paolo Bancaro thing more than it is a Chet Holmgren thing. I just heard a lot of people saying, Chet could fall to three, Chet could fall to four, he could go to six. And I was like, okay, he went number two in the draft. And at number two in the draft, that's not necessarily a fall. I just would have assumed that that kind of player would have been a guaranteed lock at number one if they were already regarded as the top prospect in their class back then. Obviously, there's tons of money and resources being poured into scouting, and and there's other legitimate concerns about his game. I know it's not an injury thing. I know people talk about that a lot because he's seven foot one, and you instinctively think that that's a problem because you know look at what happened to Porzingis. There's, there's reason that tall, lanky guy whose skill set comes from shooting and and some posting up, but overwhelmingly his his game is being bigger than everyone else and, and longer than everyone else. Obviously, there's concern with injury because of the body frame. It just that wasn't the concern going into the draft. And, and so I'm interested by that and the fact that it wasn't a guarantee that it was going to be a number one pick. And obviously all of this is probabilities. I'm not going to be like, if Chet turns into a star, I was right. Like ultimately it, it's a probabilities game and, and teams still calculated, hey, he's one of the three best players in his class. It just wasn't that he was a step above. And maybe I'm not as high on Paolo as other people are. I just look at him and I think like, you know, Kevin Porter Jr. can do some of this stuff. He's just got two inches on Kevin Porter Jr. I'm like, DeAndre Hunter can do similar type of stuff to what Paolo Bancaro does. And maybe I'm underrating the prospect and I, I don't know a ton there because I'm not doing in-depth draft scouting. I just, I, I don't think of Bancaro as this like universally great player. And I think of Chet Holmgren, not necessarily like I know Chet Holmgren is going to be that, but I'm like, okay, universally, he's the number one prospect in his class. Number Like every single high school scouting grade has him number one, number one, number one, number one. And nothing really dramatically changed in the last year from where he was in 2021. So by that respect, wouldn't he still be the number one prospect far and away going into the draft, especially when it's the the super the super skilled five that is kind of running this generation. Now I realize that like these guys won't be stars for a whole nother generation and they might even be a generation after the Luca Zion Williamson, um, Lomelo Ball, they might be even later than that in terms of the generation of turning into an NBA star, whichever two of these players turns into an NBA all-star, because odds are that two players per draft class will turn into an NBA all-star, and last year's draft class wasn't regarded as super strong, but you still had like three or four players that were pretty good, so I I guess it'll be interesting to see how that works. Portland, with their seven pick in the draft that everyone thought they were going to trade, is going to select Shaden Sharp. Oh, this is the guy from Kentucky. Oh, this is the guy who was the number six cross. Okay, they went BPA. Cool. Because they got another guard, so that's interesting. Maybe this gets traded or something like that uh, down the road, but nice. Okay, Shaden Sharp, Kentucky, number seven pick in the NBA draft. So I guess their their idea is just getting the best player they can get regardless of position. Because I think he kind of fits into where CJ McCollum, Josh Hart are at this point. I guess we'll see what ends up happening there. I guess now let's see. Portland will select Shaden Sharp at number seven. I'm interested to see, like, are, um, are these guys going to um, spoil the picks this year? Because Shams always spoils the picks and Woj always spoils the picks and people go to different places. Oh, apparently, according to Shams, uh, Orlando did not have a formal workout with Paolo Bancaro and then ended up taking him number one. That That is a telltale sign of something going wrong, but maybe Paolo turned them down. Who knows? I'm not a... Not 100% sure how that one works, but uh, yeah, I just I was interested to see if these guys are going to spoil the picks or not this year. Oh yeah, they are spoiling picks this year. That's pretty cool. Um, New Orleans at pick eight will select Dyson Daniels. All right, New Orleans, no trades. Usually you don't have draft day trades anymore. They're usually executed like well in advance because there's a particular player you really want at that spot, but 
Uh, it's interesting. Dyson Daniels, who is looking like the best player available, according to Jay Billis, is the eight pick for the New Orleans Pelicans. How about that? Nice job, New Orleans. You didn't go for proven commodity. You you got your version of Anyeka Okongwu. I guess New Orleans isn't like right now ready to win, but congratulations with your bonus Lakers pick. You get your version of Anyeka Okongwu, who I'm sure you will mess up because uh, post Anthony Davis trade, New Orleans draft record is really bad. <laughs> In 2019, they took Jackson Hayes and uh, Nikhil Alexander-Walker. Hayes, I think, still plays for them, but Nikhil Alexander-Walker is gone now. He was part of the C.J. McCollum trade. Then you had 2020, Kyra Lewis Jr. That was a bust. Uh, They took Wade Baldwin years ago at the top of the draft, but that was before David Griffin. And then last year, they traded down with Memphis. I just can't remember who New Orleans took with that draft pick. It's his bottom line. It, has, it hasn't been good for New Orleans, so I'm sure they won't mess this one up, and I'm sure they won't trade this pick for a proven commodity at some point when one of them becomes available. I also thought it was funny that people were like, the four pick is going to be traded in exchange for uh, John Collins or something like that. I was like, why are people thinking that John Collins is... Like, Anthony Davis went for, like, the fourth pick and two prospects. Like, why do people think John Collins is going to go for the number four pick in the NBA draft? John Collins is not an all-star. And if you're picking four, like, your probabilities are much higher of getting an all-star. Um, but I guess Atlanta has picked, like... No, I, th- I guess Atlanta traded their pick, right? I don't think I don't think the Hawks have their, their pick this year. But uh, we'll see. All right, so we got those picks in the books. I guess we didn't really talk about Paolo at all, but Paolo went number one. That was interesting. I, I guess I'm I'm fascinated by the draft process on that because obviously I don't know the the players and I'm playing probabilities on it so I'm not going to be like here's your in-depth draft analysis that you're getting from everywhere else I don't I don't have that to provide I don't have uh I don't have that ability to do in-depth NBA draft analysis because I don't do scouting and I don't do NFL scouting but at the very least we have Blake Jude who informs us a lot on NBA draft stuff so the Paolo one is interesting because I had just been led to believe that it was going to be Javari Smith the whole time and that the Paolo thing was more of a smokescreen than anything else so it's interesting that now you know you switch Paolo and Jabari Smith and obviously that's something that people are going to talk about for years and years did they make the right pick did they make the wrong pick the fact that they had the number one pick and they wanted to do the smokescreen process possibly opened up their options of like, do we get a, an offer we can't refuse? Kind of like what happened with uh, Boston and Philadelphia years ago. We're like, we can move down to three, still get Jason Tatum, and we get to get an extra draft pick, which I think we figured out turned into like, uh, I think it was like Kyle Guy or Ty Jerome or something like that. It didn't really turn into much, but what I thought was interesting was the... Paolo Bancaro pick didn't need a smokescreen, which leads me to suggest that Orlando didn't know who they were going to pick up until the last day before the draft happened. So I'm interested by how that process goes about because it didn't need to be that way and they didn't have a player that they truly liked, which suggests that either they were making, as Mike Tomlin quoted in that um, that podcast with uh, the Pivot guys with... Um, Channing Crowder and Fred Jackson and Ryan Clark. He's like, the sometimes we make the simple complex. Maybe Orlando here with the number one pick was uh, making the simple complex. But also, we weren't here for the number one pick, so I guess this is a good place to play that Orlando Magic theme song that I love so much. It's that uh, the theme of the 70s, 80s team anthems, because they all used to be, well, most of them used to be bangers, but Orlando Magic has a wonderful one. Okay, so we're at pick number nine right now, and 
We're getting close to the point where Johnny Davis is going to get drafted. And for people who don't know Johnny Davis, if you've seen those Taco Bell commercials where there's an NBA draft prospect who hears his name called and he starts to walk up to the stage and then the camera person knocks over the thing with the hats and the Taco Bell sound rings and then he leaves to go to Taco Bell, that is a real NBA prospect. His name is Johnny Davis. He is actually in the draft. And I really, 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 really need him to get drafted and leave to go to Taco Bell as a massive... I need Taco Bell to pay whatever dollar value is worth. The ca- I need capitalism to take over here. I need him, as he's walking up to the stage, for him to leave and go to Taco Bell or insinuate that he's going to Taco Bell. I, I like it might cost millions of dollars. I don't know. We will start a, we will find a corporate sponsor to make that happen. We need him to replicate the Taco Bell commercial that you've seen on your goddamn TV in every single sporting event for the last two months. We need Johnny Davis to recreate that at the draft here today with whatever dollar value Taco Bell is paying him. We need that to happen on the draft. And Taco Bell is an official sponsor of the the NBA draft and the NBA. So if the NBA is in cahoots with it, more perfect. I can't think of better marketing than having him recreate the Taco Bell commercial on his actual draft day. It would be so perfect. By the way, the NBA draft and Taco Bell, they've got a long and illustrious history together. Can we never forget the magical 2014 video of Nikola Jokic getting drafted with the 42nd pick in the draft with a Taco Bell commercial? It was a goddamn Taco Bell quesalupa I think that's what it's called. Is a quesadilla wrapped in a chalupa, a quesalupa commercial in which a woman is, or a, a a man is dreaming of his future with this woman, and the woman is dreaming of taking the man's quesadilla and putting it in a chalupa, and the man disappears, and she takes a big old bite out of this quesalupa-looking thing, and Nikola Jokic gets drafted on the bottom line with the 42nd pick in the draft, and then he goes on to be the greatest second-round pick in the history of the NBA by far. Taco Bell and the NBA draft go together with lore all throughout the NBA meme community. I need Johnny Davis, if he gets picked by the Sacramento Kings right now, which I'm going to be, if he gets picked by Sacramento, perfect, perfect if he gets picked by Sacramento. I need Johnny Davis to walk away as soon as this happens for his magical Taco Bell commercial spot. It is the thing I am rooting for more than anything in the draft tonight is for Johnny Davis to recreate his Taco Bell commercial during the draft. Please let this happen. Also, apparently San Antonio has three first round picks in the draft tonight. Did not know that was a thing. This is They've got the most cap space in the NBA, three first round picks. Pretty dang good. So I guess maybe Sacramento's got something going for them. All right, with the ninth pick in the NBA draft, the Sacramento Kings select Jeremy Soshan from Baylor University, won the Big 12 sixth man of the year. How did he get drafted in the top 10 if he's the sixth man of the year? Anyways, I mean, they did win the national championship last year, uh, but he's Polish. He's a forward. San Antonio probably reached on him. Let's see where... Oh, no, never mind. They only had him at uh, 13. So I guess he's a lottery pick. He was projected to be a lottery pick. Sacramento just, or San Antonio just took him at 9 instead of 13, like this uh, this thing I have says. By the way, the top eight picks were who were projected to be the top eight picks. Wasn't the same order that people thought it was going to be, but those were the the top eight prospects by most people's consensus. So now we're getting into the place where teams can make or break their drafts. It'll be interesting to see what ends up happening from it. But okay, still no, still no Johnny Davis yet. Still waiting for that one to come through. Need Johnny Davis to walk off in like a Taco Bell commercial at the draft. All right, with the 10th pick in the NBA draft for the 15th year in a row, the Washington Wizards select... 
Johnny Davis. Okay, cool. Okay, is he gonna? Oh, he's wearing a different suit also. All right, you gonna recreate the meme? You gonna recreate the meme? Probably not, but I'm still holding out hope. Uh, hug it out with your dad. Three star recruit out of high school. Little bro. Looks like bigger bro. Uh, please walk away. Please walk away. Please let Taco Bell have paid him enough money. Ah, uh, doesn't look like it's going to happen. That's okay, though. It was fun while it lasted. I'm just glad that uh, glad that he blessed us with this Taco Bell lore all throughout the entire last two months of my life. You know how long it took me to realize that he was an actual NBA prospect? It took me so long to figure out that Johnny Davis was not just a fake person that they came up with, that they got an actual prospect to do that. I'm sure a lot of those prospects would have done that commercial too. Like, I don't know how they settled on Johnny Davis as the guy who was going to be in all of the Taco Bell commercials. It just is interesting that they got him. It's all just interesting that they got the, the 10 pick in the draft and he was never supposed to be like a top pick. He was, he was basically like Cam Reddish. He was the 10 pick in the draft and they got him to do it. Uh, so much so that he was one of the best players in college basketball and I didn't even realize it. All right, now we get New York Knicks. How are they going to mess this one up? That's always a fun game to play every year. How are the New York Knicks going to royally screw this one up? The Knicks roster just looks so more thin than I remember it. Like, when they made the playoffs last year, they weren't crazy good. And I know it was like Randall and Barrett and, uh, you know, a couple other players. It just, it feels like they're so thin. Like, what happened to, who is the, God, who is the point guard who was awesome, who got drafted in the in the second round I mean it was Alonzo Trier I remember that oh I guess Mitchell Robinson's a free agent right now so that's one where I'm like oh yeah he was really good Emmanuel quickly I just Emmanuel quickly feels like he kind of fell off after people were like oh look the Knicks got a late first rounder that's turning into a really good player it just doesn't doesn't feel like it's working out it's interesting anyways with the 11th pick the New York Knicks select who? Uh, Usmane Diang from France. Cool. Uh, and you hope Worldwide Worldwide Wass and them did their scouting on this guy. Let's see where is he supposed to be on here. Uh, oh, he was a top ten projected pick according to this thing. Okay, that's pretty good. Okay, Johnny Davis, the mock draft I have, nbadraft.net. I should give them credit. I've been checking out their stuff for years. Uh, yeah, he went to New Zealand from France. Pretty good. Supporting cast player for the Knicks. Not much they could really trade to get a bona fide player, but pretty good. New York Knicks got a, got a, I mean, a forward. It's good for, good for the Knicks. Just oh, as idle as Paul George. There you go. So I guess that's uh, the game. Maybe he models himself after. Pretty cool. Okay, nice for him. Yeah, I guess the Knicks roster just feels more bare than I remember it. Seeing Derrick Rose being mentioned as like key five six players, I thought was interesting. Uh, what are, what does Woj have to say? What does Woj have to say? Okay, yeah, update. This is this is a live show, but also live where I composite. Osmani Diang is going to the Oklahoma City Thunder, and the Thunder traded in multiple of those future first-round draft picks. So OKC is going to get three lottery picks tonight. Maybe they traded one of those picks at the at the top right now. Let's see what Shams has to say. No update, just that they moved Osmani Diang to OKC, and it's nothing nothing additionally there. Uh, oh, they got Chet on the on the broadcast. Cool. So they they get to talk about Osmani Diang, and now they also get the 12 pick because they just traded it, and they also kept the 12 pick. Let's see. I guess we'll figure out the details as it goes along. Oh, that's an interesting strategy from OKC because someone uh, someone explained this very well. Okay, they just called it multiple first round picks. 
Okay, so multiple first-round picks going to New York. (laughs) Doing deals with OKC is a nice little business to find yourself in. But, God, it's so interesting how... Someone was explaining this great, how OKC... What basically they put themselves in a position where they get so many draft picks that now they have options. If they want to trade it for a bona fide player, if they want to rebuild the team now, however they go about it, they just have options on the table. And obviously they're going to develop Chet and develop Giddy. And last year they tried to trade SGA, but SGA is still a piece. And they're just going to fill the team with young players, it looks like, because that's the way they're going to build the team first and then go to everything else after that. And I trust Presti. He took Chet, and I felt like Chet, you know, in my simple analysis, coulda, shoulda, woulda been the number one pick in the NBA draft. But it's I'm just interested by how this is playing out for OKC because they have all these options on the table, and they're cashing in those options. I wonder, again, I I wish I knew the details because OKC had three first-round picks, and they're obviously keeping 12, but they have... Also, um, God, what's the other pick? Maybe the, maybe it's not this year. Maybe it's next year. But uh, I thought they had Phoenix's pick, but it looks like maybe they uh, they moved that at some point here. But OKC had the two first-round picks and pick 34, and is just interested that they're going for three lottery picks tonight. Oh, they do have pick 30. Okay, yeah, they had Phoenix's pick, and Phoenix has pick 30. Yeah, so, okay, they have pick 30 and pick 12 and now pick 11 that's interesting so yeah i mean they're gonna get four first round picks tonight it's fascinating fascinating stuff for okc that they want to cash in this year on this draft class after two years well i guess a year a year of kind of like stomping their feet a little bit it's interesting that they traded cashed in all their picks and now they they want to start cashing out on those picks this year all right with the 12th pick in the 2022 nba draft The Oklahoma City Thunder select Jalen Williams, the guard from Santa Clara, California. And OKC has themselves a third lottery pick of the night. And Oklahoma City has now picked up... Well, they also have 18 first-round picks, so maybe they traded two of them to, to make that one work. But I'm looking at OKC's roster now, so they got Chet... They got uh, the guy from France, Diang, and they got uh, now Jalen, Jalen, what did I say his name was? Jalen Williams. Um, yeah, Jalen Williams from Santa Clara. So all of them were projected to be like lottery or close to the lottery. All right, all right. We got ourselves a bananas trade coming in here. So Charlotte started with pick 13. It ended up going to the Knicks. I don't know how it ended up with the Knicks. It got to the Knicks, and then the Knicks traded that pick to Detroit, and they got rid of Kemba Walker's salary, which apparently was the move tonight was don't draft players and shed salary so that we can sign big money free agents like Jalen Brunson. And, uh, yeah, New York Knicks swapped with OKC. I'm sure one of those OKC picks ended up going to Charlotte. And then that pick ends up going to Detroit, and Kemba Walker ends up going to Detroit. I'm sure Detroit's going to buy out Kemba Walker. But, basically, they traded Kemba Walker and pick 13 for the pick that they got in exchange for Jeremy Grant. So, if you're trying to build out a Jeremy Grant trade from yesterday, they basically traded Jeremy Grant for... 13 pick, which is Jalen Duran, who Woj said they were thinking about taking at five if Jaden Ivey hadn't been there, and Kemba Walker's salary, which is just using cap space to get a player that you want, and uh, whatever the second round pick exchange was yesterday. So, turned out pretty good. Nice little swap using cap space to your advantage, I guess. Uh, Cavaliers took a player, no idea who it is. Feels like Cavs fans' reaction to that is the same way people react to their team drafting an offensive lineman, which is like, all right, all right, this is a solid bench player. All right, we we made a good, solid draft pick. That feels like how everyone's reacting to the uh, the Cleveland Cavaliers pick. I don't even remember who it is anymore. Uh, I was trying to figure out the trade situation. Anyways, Detroit absorbs cap space. Charlotte got pick 15, they took a Duke guy, Atlanta had pick 16, they took a Duke guy, back-to-back Dukies, Uh, Mark Williams was the guy who got drafted by Charlotte as a center, so they got a center anyways, A.J. Griffin got drafted by the Hawks, 
Um, he was actually pretty good. I do kind of vaguely remember him in college. He was actually pretty good. Um, but yeah. Oh, second highest three-point percentage by a Duke freshman ever, according to A.J. Griffin's stat line. Uh, we're getting close to the point of the draft where I kind of start to stop caring a little bit. Like, maybe one of these players will probably turn into an all-star. One of these players will probably be good. I have no idea who any of these players are. One of them will be like the 27 pick and be Siakam from uh, New Mexico State. Or one of them will be like, uh, what's the, uh, Kyle Kuzma. That's what I was thinking of. Or, I mean, everyone was talking about quickly last year. I know quickly's kind of stopped being the topic of conversation of like another big old NBA player, but that's interesting too. So this is the part of the draft where I kind of start to, uh, phase out a little bit and wait for big time moves like shedding Kemba Walker's salary to come in on draft day. The major big time, I mean, this was technically in the NFL draft where AJ Brown got traded. So not necessarily a total knock on how important it is. The Rockets at pick 17, they've already picked up Jabari Smith. They are drafting LSU's Tari Eason. Good for the Rockets. Also, I was asking whether or not Woj was going to do the thing where uh, they report the picks before they come in, but he doesn't say specifically they are taking. He just says they are focused on or they are targeting instead of saying that it's actually going to be the pick because this used to be a controversy years ago of like the inside reporters were reporting the picks beforehand and ESPN kind of wanted to like take their cake and eat it. They were like, we don't exactly want you to report the first pick, but at the same time, we don't want to be behind everyone else and tell you not to report it because we are a television industry and we want the illusion of journalistic credibility and journalistic independence. But uh, this was a whole controversy years ago, and I guess uh, they decided to go forth and, and let Woj say that they were targeting or projecting someone. So Tari Eason going to the Rockets. Uh, that was exactly correct according to the NBA Draft Net mock draft. So how many of these did they get exactly right? I've been following them for like six years now. Let's see. So they got Chet, uh, none of the next ones, um, none of the ones there. Shaden Sharp, Dyson Daniels, switch that. They got Johnny Davis right. They got uh, Durin to Charlotte, but wrong pick. Charlotte had 13 and 15 picks. Uh, they got Tari Eason to Houston. So they got three right, three exactos on their uh, mock draft game. It's pretty, pretty good. Three exactos out of 17. Of course, we didn't know what was going to happen at the top of the draft, so it made it a little bit weird. Still pretty cool, though. Still pretty cool that we got a few exactos. Pretty dang cool. While we got some downtime here in the draft, no trades, no Christian Woods or Jabar, uh, not Jabari Smith's, uh, Kemba Walker's getting traded. Let's talk about our live in-depth draft coverage live from Sacramento during the 2022 NBA draft. Um, you know how I said like the Cleveland Cavaliers fans were reacting to a pick the same way that someone who takes an offensive lineman in the NFL draft reacts? I think the equivalent version of that for Sacramento is like when your team drafts a corner or a safety where it's like you can get excited about it. You don't know exactly how it's going to work out because you don't have like a trained eye to know exactly how it's going to work out. But it got some applause. You know, people had been talking themselves into Keegan Murray. If you really, really like the Kings, you were going in-depth about Jaden Ivey not wanting to be there and his mom playing with the Detroit Shock and his grandpa playing for the Detroit Lions and him saying before, he's like, I got the family roots in Detroit, the family roots in uh, the family down in Indiana. Those would be the places I want to go, not Sacramento. And we talked about that before, but people were cool with Keegan Murray. I think they would have just freaked out if it was someone other than those two players that got drafted for the Sacramento Kings. So live, the best reaction I can give you is pretty solid. That's the best momentary reaction I can give you on Sacramento Kings draft pick. So that was our live in-depth coverage. Also, people were kind of surprised when Paolo went number one. Obviously, I think some people had kind of like mentally prepared for it, but they didn't have the audio turned up on the draft so when it was Paolo some people like 
were doing other stuff and they were like, oh, snap, oh my gosh, it's Paolo Bancaro, who would have thunk it? And they kind of had that moment of like, dang, I guess that's the pick. But by the time two, three, and four rolled around, everyone was like, what's Sacramento going to do? What's Sacramento going to do? What's Sacramento going to do? And yeah, it was kind of cool. And then we got back pretty quickly and picked up right on the number five pick. So it was very, very fun to, to do the draft coverage. I think I'm going to call it right around here. Maybe there's a, a pick swap or a small player trade or something like that. I think we're going to call our draft show here tonight. You can go to other such places for in-depth analysis of the final few picks, or I guess the final 40 picks. But uh, maybe maybe there will be a memeable moment we can look back on years from now and pick from as a cool moment at the end of the draft. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for stopping in here to the Take It Easy podcast. Thanks for checking out all of our episodes this week. You guys really came through with the uh, support so far this week. I uh, thank you all for stopping in and all of the continued support that you have continued to show. Uh, Memphis just traded for the 19 pick in the draft to acquire Wake Forest's Jake LaRavia. Good good for Memphis, I guess. Memphis uh, really likes trading up in the draft. They're using those assets to move up from 22 to 19. Last year, they moved up from 16 to 10. Maybe that's the... the I said Memphis did need to improve their team, to improve the core of the roster. I don't know if this does it because number one picks rarely have those levels of impact very quickly. Um, it'll turn out pretty cool. So thanks for stopping in, everybody. I hope you all have a fantabulous weekend. I hope Kyrie Irving hasn't signed by the time we come back. But if he has, we'll talk about it on Monday. In the meantime, take it easy. Kyrie Irving is so disgruntled with Green the Brooklyn Nets that he has told some within the organization that he does not want to return to the team and so we have a standoff here that nobody knows exactly where it's going he is not making this about money he wants out of there and he's telling you there is no amount of money we want him back in the worst way I know he knows that and um, you know we'll, we'll continue to work at it the situation between the the Brooklyn Nets and Kevin Durant is not good as far as this weekend, as far as training camp. We will see. There's been one message consistently coming out of Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant. Camp. And, and that's I don't want to be here.